There are many ways people listen to vision, including through a PC at work. When you fire up your computer at work, go to vision.org.au slash listen and click the Vision or V180 Listen Live buttons. You can also catch the latest Vision National News Bulletin and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts from the same page all while you work. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist and Bible teacher. Bringing people far from God near to God. We believe in one truth that will be delivered in love and compassion. Connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello, my name is Bill and welcome. In this episode, Pastor Jeff is in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. He has a message for us about speaking the truth in love. Along the way, Pastor Jeff will get us thinking about if we can do this without being judgmental and can we discern right and wrong without condemning others. Here's Pastor Jeff now. Welcome, glad you're here. Uh, got a few questions for you. Okay, which of the following verses can you find in the Bible? Okay, number one, God helps those who help themselves. Not in the Bible. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's really bothering me that some of you look a little bit confused. (laughs) That's not in the Bible. Number three, hate the sin but love the sinner. No, not in the Bible, no. How about this one? Money is the root of all evil. No. The love of money is the root of all evil. And some of you are so afraid of making a mistake, you're just sitting there... Five, the lion shall lay down with the lamb. True. No. Uh Uh-uh. So now here's the thing. Uh, Some of you right now are thinking, man, I'm going to look that up later. I think he's wrong. Uh, And you can go ahead and do that. But that really is the lesser of two evils. It's one thing to think a verse of scriptures in the Bible that's not. It's another thing entirely to quote a passage of scripture that is actually in the Bible but to do it completely out of context and completely self-serving. My aunt had a verse that she said all the time, and my brothers and I looked it up. It actually was in the Bible, but she never used it in the way it was intended to be used. It's It's a verse, it goes like this, let the dead bury their dead. It's a conversation that Jesus was having with somebody, and he said, let the dead bury the dead. My aunt used it for everything, and it just, it became quite humorous. You know, she couldn't forgive her daughter. Let the dead bury the dead. The councilman she voted for was not elected. Let the dead bury the dead. 
They were out of iced tea at the grocery store. Let the dead bury the dead. The neighbor's dog got into the garbage again. Let the dead bury the dead. And my brother and I just look at each other and she has no idea what she's talking about. The truth is every generation finds a verse in the Bible that it really loves to misquote. And uh, while people still today make fun of the Bible and say that it's archaic and it's not relevant, it's interesting how those same people like to quote a verse in the Bible if they think it's beneficial to their argument, right? The most misquoted verse in the last 20 years by far is this verse, do not judge or you too will be judged. Matthew 7 And uh, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're in this series because we're a people that believes that God loves us, who believe that God loves us, and he gives us the roadmap for how to relate to each other and to the world. And if we relate to each other and to the world like this, then we're going to be salt and light, and our lives are going to go better, and our communities are going to go better. So one of the things Jesus says in Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, in this series, is that do not judge or you too will be judged. And when I hear people quote this, they usually quote the King James Version. Judge not, lest ye be judged. <laughs> so I'm at Coffee Clatch a couple of months ago, and I'm seated, going through some notes, and behind me at a table, two young girls, both of them are Christ followers. They both they have their Bibles out. They're doing a little Bible study. And I don't eavesdrop on people, but if you talk loud, I'm always looking for illustrations. <laughs> And so they're talking very loudly, and one girl says this to her Christian friend. She says, my friend told me I should not be sleeping with my boyfriend. Who is she to judge me? (laughs) Her friend responds by saying, yeah, my mom is lecturing me about the way I dress and some of the photos I place on my page. Why do our parents judge us like that? I played golf with a guy in New Zealand, a South African guy. His name was Safray. We played golf together every Monday, really enjoyed him, but by the 12th hole, he was always drunk. He always brought his own beer. And finally, after, I don't know, a few months of this, and I was just worried about him driving home, and then he always won because by the 13th hole, he couldn't swing a club. (laughs) And I remember walking up to him and said, Safray, I said, man, you got to stop this. You're killing yourself. How did he respond? Who are you to judge me? Now, is that what Jesus means? When he says that you shouldn't judge somebody, does he mean that you shouldn't discern right and wrong in another person's life? Because that's the way Americans define it. When they think of judging, they erroneously think that Jesus means you should never negatively evaluate another person's belief or practice. You should never tell another person that they're wrong about anything. Really. Then what do you say to somebody who's a racist? Wouldn't you tell them they're wrong? Is that judging them in the way Jesus is talking about judging? You know what the real issue here is, right? The real issue is you don't want anybody else telling you, but you want to tell everybody else. That's the bottom line. You want to be the moral authority, but you don't want anybody else telling you that you're wrong about something. So in a politically correct society that we live in, this verse is being quoted. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. But when Jesus says that, he's not talking about not discerning a worldview or right or wrong or morality. You say, well, what does he mean? Well, let's read the rest of the passage. In verse 2, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured into you. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Whoa. Whoa. Does anybody feel like we just jumped ship? Okay. For me to explain this, I've got to do it in three acts. What does Jesus mean? Do not judge. He finishes by saying, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What on earth is he talking about? Now, if you've been here any length of time, you know that I tell you that when we come to a parable or a difficult passage, look for the thing that seems out of place and that will help you understand it. What's out of place here? Pigs and dogs. What on earth does this have to do with judging? So act one, let's try to understand something. This passage is consistent with everything we've learned in the Lord's Prayer and in the Sermon on the Mount. The comparison Jesus has made is not between those who pray and those who don't pray, those who give and those who don't give, those who keep the law and those who don't keep the law. In every situation so far, Jesus has talked about motivation. It's not whether or not you pray, it's how you pray. Do you pray standing in the street so everybody can hear you or in a closet in private with God? It's how you give. Do you give so that everyone knows or do you give in a way that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand's doing? Uh, how do you approach the law? Do you approach it in a way to earn merit or salvation or do you approach it out of gratitude of the salvation and grace that's already been given to you and you approach it in a way to please the heart of the Father? So now we come to judging. So the difference is not between those who judge and those who do not judge. It's how you judge. It's about those who discern and confront out of love in hopes of restoration and change and those who judge out of hatred and condemnation and separation. We're not being told not to judge. It's how you judge. Some people judge with the hope of restoring a relationship. Other people judge to be hateful, full of hatred and condemnation. What's the difference? Motivation. So Jesus is going to confront you. When you confront somebody else, are you trying to get the relationship back? Are you saying, look, I love you. I'm no better than you, but I love you. And we're in this relationship. And because of that, I have to tell you of something that I see in your life that I think is going to cause great disintegration. Do you do it like that? Or are you coming to them to punish them, to criticize, to make them feel bad, embarrass them? Or simply to win an argument. Jesus is not saying, in Act 1, he is not saying to refrain from evaluating and discerning what is good and wholesome and beneficial to society and her people. My goodness, that's what the church is about. The hope of the world, salt and light, preserving what is good in culture. So it's not whether or not we speak the truth. It's whether or not we speak the truth in love. Now, I just read a story uh, last week about a Canadian man who has decided to identify as a six-year-old girl. He's 52 years old, but he's decided that he wants to identify now as a six-year-old girl, and he expects everyone around him to treat him as if he's a six-year-old girl. Now, he left his wife and kids because he, he said, I've got to get in touch with my real self. <clears throat> now, here's the point. It is not love to ignore destructive behavior. That's not love. That's hatred and apathy. But because we live in a culture of political correctness, 
we're being told that we should not judge this person. So, Jesus is saying it is unloving not to confront a person in love, in love, with something that will destroy or destructive behavior. It never works as a parent when a parent refuses to confront the child for bad behavior. It doesn't help the child. It doesn't help your relationship with your friend when there's something that you refuse to confront the friend about that is destroying your relationship. It doesn't help a country not to confront the people of a country with something that is destructive and destroying them. True love confronts. It does not enable. So Jesus does not mean by not judging that you stop being critical of people and actions. The church is the hope of the world. We're the moral voice. He means that you should not judge in the sense of condemning and punishing a sense of haughtiness like you're better than everybody, hoping to hurt the person and to annihilate them. Jesus says, you must never treat people that way. So we have a balance here. It's not cowardice where you don't speak the truth, but when you speak the truth, you do it in love, with respect, with humility, to maintain and strengthen the relationship, not destroy it. That's act one. You with me so far? What's act one? Well, it can't mean, when Jesus says, do not judge, it does not mean he says, stop discerning and stop confronting. Act two, how does this work out every day, practically, in your relationships? Now, look at the metaphor Jesus uses. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, when you have something in your eye, what does it do? It obstructs your vision, right? Uh, I'm allergic to cats, which is one of the reasons I think they're from the devil. And so, I know you cat lovers hate it when I do that. You're judging me. So, when I'm around a cat, my eye, the inside of my eye will swell. It's probably so small but it feels so big. And so I go around putting my eye in air conditioning. I figured out that this helps. So I'll stick my eye like this and blow the cold or take ice, but it's so, it's, it's painful and it's just irritating. Jesus is saying here, listen closely, that everyone, everyone has an obstruction in your soul that is limiting your vision. Every person. Something is lodged in every person's soul. Everybody, not just Christians, non-Christians, everybody. And it restricts your ability to see. And because of that, we have so many besetting flaws and inordinate desires and fears and anxieties and grudges that are all part of our past. And Jesus assumes that since this is true, the, the appropriate way to relate to each other is for somebody to come along and help you get this thing out of your eye so that you can see more clearly. We all need somebody to come along and confront us about the things they see. Now, I've got so many examples I could use here because I've been in ministry so long. You know, it's, it's the guy that, whose father didn't encourage him and told him he would be a loser, so the father ends up becoming so driven to succeed and to prove his father wrong, but he ends up doing the same thing to his own children. Not by saying it, but by neglecting them, by his drivenness. It's a young girl who's abused by her father who has a negative view of all men now. And yet she's isolated and alone 
But in her view, all men are like her father. You know, the one that got away, you know, when I first came and we started our one life, I spent a lot of time at Coffee Clatch. My goal was to have everybody at Coffee Clatch because that was the place I frequented to become a Christ follower. And I think pretty much in those early days, everyone did. But there was one who got away. And uh, interestingly enough, her her name was Heaven. And she had so much baggage in her soul because her father was an alcoholic, a drug addict. She was trying to work just to survive. At 16 years old, she was living on the street. I mean, it was a horrible story, but now she was making money. And I would talk to her, finally got her to come. And when she came to, to CCV and she saw you in worship, it just melted her heart. Finally, here are people who actually believe and practice what they say they believe. So they're worshiping. She's compelled. She receives Christ. Here's a, here's a father who will love her eternally. And she's baptized. And she started coming and she was so excited at first. And then over time, I started to see less and less. She had met a new guy. And this new guy had given her and told her all the things she wanted to hear from somebody. Unfortunately, he had her back on the street doing drugs. She wanted to please him so much that she went back into that way of life. I never really got completely over that. There's some things that we have stuck in us that if we don't have somebody tell us, it will ultimately destroy us. And that's, the, that's the, even the, that's the meaning of the old fable or the parable of the lion. Remember the lion who has the thorn stuck in his paw? Here is the king of the jungle, the most powerful entity in the jungle who's brought to weakness by a little thorn in his paw and he needs somebody else to help him pull it out. That's the message of the gospel. Everybody in the room has something. We all need to be judged, all of us. I need to be judged and evaluated with compassion. I need somebody to point out my wrongs. So, so God sent me my wife. We need people. <laughs> we need people to tell us our flaws. There's, there's a lot of truth in that. We need people to tell us our flaws in a way that gets the speck out of our eye. Now, now stay with me. Some of you in the room have somewhere in your past had totally unrealistic expectations concerning God. And God did not deliver something you thought he should. And that's, that's your hangup. That's your obstruction. Some of you, it has to do with your past marriage, your father. Your, but all of us have something. And when somebody comes... Notice how brilliant Jesus is. If I come to you to get the speck out of your eye and I show up with these, what are you going to do? No, 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 no. See Jesus' point? When you're going to get a speck out of somebody's eye, what do you bring? You bring something more like this. You bring some tissue. Gently and slowly. That's the point. What a great metaphor. When you're helping somebody get the speck out of their eye, you got to do it softly, gently. Now, just to make sure that we understand what Jesus is saying here, he pushes the envelope a little bit on the metaphor. Look what he says next. Why do you pay attention to the speck in your brother's eye, but pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, stay with me here. This is where it gets humorous. Is it, wouldn't it be, if I started walking toward you with a two by four jutting out of my eye, what's the point here? See, most of your life, if you've been in church, you've been told, why are you dealing with a small sin in my eye when you got this big sin in yours? That's not what this passage is about. Jesus doesn't deal in the size of sin. What's the real issue here? 
It's hard to get close to somebody who has a two-by-four jutting out of their eye. So if you think you can help somebody else get the speck out of their eye when there's no relationship between the two, there's no closeness, and you just want to do a drive-by speck hunt, (laughs) it's not going to work. This is not about the greater sin. It's about the obstruction division. Now, everybody in the room, hey, how many of you know somebody, they believe they have x-ray vision in everybody else's life. They can tell you what's wrong with everybody else. Man, I've, I've got a friend like that. I use her as an example all the time. She, she just doesn't know it's her yet. <laughs> when you talk to this person, it's like, oh, she's just nasty. Oh, she's just jealous. She's just a liar. She's just arrogant. And it's all said with so much hatred. But everybody around her and everybody who knows her knows that she's visually impaired. She cannot see the log in her own eye, the refusal to get close enough to people to be able to speak truth into their lives. That's what this is about. It's not about not judging. It's about discerning, but approaching people with great gentleness and relationship and love and over time being able to remove because you can see more clearly. Or there's a second part of the metaphor though. If you look or if you have a speck in your eye, it should look like a plank to you. Unless you see your sins as greater than everybody else's, you're not going to be able to help somebody else. Who does this? I was driving down the road the other day, and so it hit me all of a sudden that there's something I've been struggling with in my life lately, and I realized, hey, I'm doing well in this one area. Doing well. So I kind of had a little moment of self-righteousness. Man, I am a Christian. I'm doing well. I couldn't even get that out until the Holy Spirit, and this is how he works with pastors, until the Holy Spirit, just within 15 seconds, brought all the things that were wrong with me. (laughs) I mean, I'm serious. I started thinking, oh man, I am kind of selfish and petty and arrogant and self-centered and insecure and entitled. And it's almost like, in my mind, I didn't say it out loud, but I want to say, God, man, chill. (laughs) Just let me have one moment of joy here for a second. One step at a time. But it's God's way of reminding me I need to always be aware of how big my sins are and how many issues I have because if that's you, two things will happen. One, your gratitude for grace will be so off the charts that your worship will increase. You'll always be grateful. But two, you'll begin speaking the truth in love, in a kind of love that is melt in your mouth sweetness that when you say it to people, they'll actually want to hear it. Do you have that balance? Okay, you're not a coward. But it's not sanctimony in spite either. You're not clamming up and saying nothing, but you're not being harsh either. Somebody will say, well, you know, Pastor Jeff, I'm a peacemaker. I would never suggest to anyone that what they're doing is morally wrong. Let me translate that for you. You're a coward. (laughs) You're a coward. Our culture pushes us toward clamming up because of political correctness or blowing up because of self-righteousness. And you've got to find the balance between the two. We have to help each other get the plank out of our own eyes to see our sins as they really are. Not to clam up, but to speak up. But when we do, and we say, here's what's stuck in your soul, can I help you with it? You do it in such a way that's so loving and so gracious that people are willing to hear you rather than just turn you off. You with me? Okay, so that's act one and act two. Now let's finish act three. Act one is what? When Jesus says don't judge, he's not saying don't discern. By the way, anytime you look up any word in the dictionary, you usually get one, two, or three meanings, right? Right? 
You look up the word judge in Greek, what is translated, you get one, two, three meetings. You get the kind of judgment that God is going to give on the day of the Lord and accountability, but you also get the kind of judging that he uses here, discernment. Discernment, you are to discern, but it's a judging without wrath. You're not God. You have no right to exhibit wrath on anybody. And if you do, you start with yourself. But you are supposed to discern and be a light in a city on a hill. Okay, so don't judge does not mean do not discern or confront. Second act, when you do, though, be gentle. But the whole thing really comes down to this last verse. In verse 6, Jesus finishes this section off by saying this. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the swine. If you do, they may trample them underfoot and then turn and tear you to pieces. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff. So what's going on in this whole passage here? Here we have the gospel. Some people, when you throw it out to them, they're gonna hear it. They're gonna say, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. I can't believe that I can be forgiven of all my sins. But then there's an entirely different group of people that hear it. What do they do? How is this gonna pad my bank account and advance my career? How's this magic thing help me get what I want? You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. 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 With Jeff Vines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.